Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Football Talk from the Yorkshire Post, where we'll be discussing some of the latest talking points from the world of football with members of our football writing team. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, to discuss all the latest developments affecting our local clubs. Don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging on to our website at www.yorkshirepost.co.uk forward slash sport, as well as checking out our various Twitter feeds, the main one being at YPSport. If you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football, or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages, or email us directly with the subject matter as football talk podcast at yp.sport at jpimedia.co.uk. Yorkshirepost.co.uk As mentioned earlier in the intro, this week I'm joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner. Morning, Stuart. Good morning, Mark. Morning. Um, my first topic of discussion that I want to um, have a look at today um, is that long-serving uh, James Belshaw has left Harrogate Town. Uh, how important has his contribution uh, been to the progress that Town have made over the last few years? Um, well, he's you know he's played an absolutely huge part, really. Uh, you know, in taking them all the way up from uh, from Conference North to the to the Football League. Um, was voted in the in the team of the season in the conference north days and in the, the team of the season in the in the conference days and uh, and you know was the, the the club's player of the year a couple of times so uh, yeah you can't underestimate the uh, the contribution he's made but you know such is uh, such is the nature of football that that, that things move on and uh, and, and Harrogate brought Mark Oxley in uh, in this summer and. Uh, and allowed um, allowed Belshaw to move on to to Bristol Rovers, but he'll, he'll certainly be uh, fondly thought of at, at Weatherby Road. I think his uh, his place in the in the club's history books is 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 guaranteed. You know, along with the rest of that that group of players who have uh, who have brought them on this incredible journey. And I'm sure everyone at um, every Harrogate fan and everyone at the club um, wishes him well at, at, at Bristol Rovers, and uh, hopefully. Oxley can come in and uh, and do a good job in his place. Mm. And uh, my next question with that um, looks at uh, Mark Oxley and um, basically, what can they ex- what can the uh, the Harrogate Town fans expect from uh, from their new uh, goalkeeper that's coming in? Um, well, I mean, he's, he's obviously um, he's obviously a player that um, that, that Simon Weaver is. Has, has targeted because um, because he feels he has has the qualities to take them on. I mean, it's always um, it's always difficult when you make the uh, the transition from uh, from non league to, to football league or, or any any step up in division. There's always going to be a bit of a bit of a step up in class, and you always you always want to give the players who have um, who have got you there in the first place that that opportunity to um, to show that they're they're able to to make the step up, but um, so Weaver's obviously uh, obviously decided that it that it's um, it's it's Oxley he he wants to to go with, um, and uh, yeah, I mean they'll uh, he's you know he's he's uh, he's spent uh, spent plenty of plenty of time in the in in the region before years from Sheffield. He's had time at Hull and. Uh, uh, and um, started out at, at Rotherham, so um, 
you know, he'll be um, he'll be he'll be well known to the uh, well known to the, um, the 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 scouts and the and the, and the coaches at, at Harrogate. And um, you know, at thirty years of old, at thirty years of age, he's not um, he's not a youngster. Mm-hmm. So um, he brings a bit of um, bit of experience, which I think is is probably the most the most important thing. You know, even a bit of um, uh, experience in his early days playing uh, England youth football. Mm. Um, and you know, I mean, we've we've talked about you know the way the way he likes to come for crosses um, and his, his distribution with his feet, and they're obviously um, obviously big things Harrogate are, uh, are looking for from him. Mm. Mm. So yeah, it, it could be a very interesting um, season for them with with him coming in. Um, and my my next topic of discussion uh, looks at Hull City. And I see that Tom Huddleston hasn't ruled out making a permanent return to the club. But given that there is still a, uh, a transfer embargo um, at Hull City, um, would this complicate any possible return? Well, it, it would, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, we, we mentioned in previous podcast, uh, one of the previous podcasts, I think, about um, the way the embargo works in the, in the sense that until Hull have paid off this... Um, this loan they've uh, they borrowed from the football league, they could only make um, free transfer and, uh, and loan signings. And, and Huddleston's been released by Derby, so he he'd fit into one of those categories. But there's there's a limit in the number of uh, number of players they're allowed to sign, and they're not allowed more than uh, 25 senior players. There's been a bit of um, bit of debate about the definition of that with regards to uh, to Derby County recently, but. Um, as far as the Football League are concerned, Hull have got their 25 players. Hull were under the impression uh, that they only had 23 because of um, having having loaned out um, Callum Jones and uh, John Flores. They thought that made space for a couple more. Um, but it seems as though Hull, unless they can persuade the Football League to change their mind, mm-hmm. and say Dar- Derby did um, did get them to change their mind about uh, about a ruling with regards to them, but if unless Hull can get the Football League to do the same, then they, they're going to have to sell uh, a couple of players on before they can uh, before they can bring Huddleston or anyone else in for that matter. And, and Grant McCann still thinks he's he's three players short. He wants a couple of midfielders. Obviously, Huddleston would be one of them, uh, or, or could be one of them, I should say. And uh, and he's looking for a right-sided centre half. So we we may see a few uh, a few departures from Hull in the in the coming weeks to uh, to make space for those signings. Hmm. But, and um, just looking at um, Hull having to try and persuade the EFL to, to allow them to uh, make these signings, um, you mentioned that Derby were able to, to get them to change their minds and give them a bit of leeway. Um, do, do you think Hull will be able to do so, do, do the same? Because, again, if, if they're able to give a bit of leeway to Derby, then surely that um, they should be able to give uh, the same sort of leniency to uh, to Hull? Well, in fairness to the Football League, the, the Derby situation was quite different. Um, Derby were effectively being penalised for the fact that um, players were being counted as, as senior players because they'd, made, they'd, they'd played first-team football for Derby. But if you remember, Derby had a, a situation in the third round of the FA Cup where their entire first team squad was ruled out by covid mm. and they had to play some of their under 18s and under 23 so some of those uh young lads 
who made their debut that day and haven't played since were classed as senior players for that purpose. So, so Derby made the argument that they shouldn't be, and that that uh, you know changed the number of number of senior players in the in the squad. Hull, Hull aren't in that position. In Hull, it's, Hull's case, it's simply simply a case of, of this interpretation of whether a player they've loaned out for the season should count as their player uh, for the purposes of the squad or as someone else's in in, in that sense. And mm. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they'll. They'll have much um, much success with that. I mean, you, you would think it would be something that they should have uh, hammered out and been on top of beforehand. But you know, sometimes these rules seem a little little vague and unclear. Um, we are where we are. We'll we'll have to wait and see. But um, I think you know. I mean, there, there is the possibility. Jordan Flores, for example, has has been loaned out to Northampton Town. Well, by the time his loan expires. Um, his whole contract will have done too, so it might be that they can come to an arrangement with him to uh, cancel his contract, uh, and then they've immediately got got one more space uh, space in the squad. We'll have mm. to wait and see. Mm. Yeah, that, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they um, how they're able to to work this one out. Um, next topic of discussion looks at Matt Crooks, uh, who has completed his move to Middlesbrough from Rotherham United. Um, how do you believe that this will impact both the teams that are involved in this in this move? Well, I think um, I think it's a sensible transfer, really, in, in the sense that Rotherham will be gutted to lose Matt Crooks. Of course, they will. You know, he, he was he was excellent for them, but um, because he was so good for them in the Championship last season, I think he's he's shown that he's you know he's worthy of staying in the Championship, which is. Uh, which is obviously what he's done moving to Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough need need more goals from their team, and you know there's there's obviously you know whenever a team's in that situation, there's a lot of lot of focus on centre forward, but they you know they need more goals from deeper as well. And, and Crooks going there, you know, should provide them with a bit more bit more cutting edge. I think um, I think Neil Warnock set him a target of ten to fifteen goals for uh, for next season. Um, and I think that's that's realistic for a, for a player of his ability. You know, he's he's very versatile. Warnock was talking about remembering him seeing him play at centre back when he in his uh, in Crooks' Huddersfield days. But um, it, you know, it, I think I think playing in the hole behind behind the strikers is is his best position. And uh, I think he can do a good job there for for Middlesbrough. Uh, they do, st- as I say, they, they do still need. More strength at centre forward, uh, down the left hand side as well in terms of a, uh, a full back or wing back. Um, but but Crook should definitely make them make them a better player, and I think he's a good, he's a good signing for for, for Rotherham. Um, it probably just hopefully just frees things up really for for Paul Warren to recruit, you know, a few more of those those players he he needs. He's he's probably looking at, at maybe another five players. Um, to to come in, things have been fairly subdued since they've since they've been relegated. But the squad obviously does need a need a bit of bit of freshening up. And as I say, sad though it is for for Crooks to be moving on. You know, it should um, it should allow them to to crack on with that that process now and and, and strengthen the squad, which they'll which they'll need to do because as we'll probably touch on a bit later, it's going to be a very very competitive League One uh, this season. And while Rotherham have got lots of experience of uh, 
winning promotion, recent experience of winning promotion from that division, um, it's certainly not going to be easy for them, and they will need to uh, they will need to strengthen the squad. Mm. Yeah, I can see I can see where where you're coming from because again, th- this is where it, it's really important to get. Uh, the signings and last-minute deals done as soon as possible so that players can gel with the team before um, the start of the new season, which, I mean, if we look at it right now, it's literally round the corner. So it's going to be very interesting to see how um, how they're able to to crack on with, um, with his departure. Um, and next topic of discussion looks at Sheffield Wednesday, who get their campaign underway in the EFL Cup against Huddersfield Town this Sunday. I believe. Um, yes. Um, and uh, my question to you is, do you think that the two teams will be looking at this from a competitive angle or will they be seeing this as their last pre-season friendly? Um, I think there'll probably, excuse me, I think there'll probably be an element of both, to be honest with you. I mean, they've had, they've had, quite different pre-seasons in the sense that, you know, as you alluded to there about um, about clubs getting players in early, Huddersfield did a really good job of getting a lot of players in, in early. So they've had uh, they've had a bit of time to, to bed them in. Um, a lot of clubs, you know, um, Sheffield Wednesday being one, have, 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 had, uh, have had their pre-seasons disrupted a bit by COVID, whether that be in their camp or other people's, um, cutting down their... The, the number of friendlies and that uh, that obviously makes things more difficult. I mean, it, it's interesting. It, it was it was last season. I think the, the the football league sort of introduced this suggestion that that clubs could play their the league cup first round before the season started if if um, if both sides agree. Actually, I think last season I think everyone played before the season started. Some could play earlier still because of international. Um, Reasons, but regardless, there's been this option to do it early, and that, that's, I guess that that would suggest that that's with this in mind, with with just giving giving clubs the opportunity to uh, to use it as a bit of a tryout. I mean, I suppose real, realistically, neither club is going to win the league cup. I don't think I'm sticking my neck out too much by saying that. Um, so you can understand why they do it. You know, clubs do generally uh, nowadays, even lower league clubs tend to use. Uh, use the cup to, or all the cups to, to sort of rotate their squads. So I suppose it's it's a bit of accepting the reality. It's always a bit um, disappointing, really, as, as a football fan to see to see the cups sort of being downgraded in that way. But I suppose that's that's the reality of it. And for for both for both these clubs, you know, the the, the following weekend, which in uh, in Wednesday's case will be at, at Charlton. Uh, and in Huddersfields will be at um, will be at Derby is, if we're honest about it, a lot more important to them. Mm. Yeah, it's it, it's going to be interesting to see how um, the, the two teams uh, line up against each other because, as you say, what what I mean the, the way that I see it is that they will be using this as you say just a, a, a as a sort of training. Uh, uh, session to to get players uh, to gel with each other and fo- and then they can shift their focus onto obviously uh, the the regular season uh, back in in their respective leagues to hopefully gain promotion. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see what um, kind of teams we we actually see going into that fixture. 
Yeah, I mean, I suppose having having talked about sort of um, diluting the cup, I suppose I suppose thinking about it really, we're probably more we're probably likely to see teams much more like um, those that will be playing at the, at the Valley and at Pride Park. So it it might actually produce two two stronger teams, mm. you know, and uh, and it, it could be uh, it could be you know one well worth watching for the supporters because the supporters of both sides haven't seen uh, haven't seen either team play. Competitively since, uh, or seen them in the flesh play competitively since um, since February March of twenty uh, twenty. So uh, hopefully uh, there's a good crowd that sort of provides a bit a bit of intensity, and uh, and we do see we do see a really um, a really competitive and, and good game. Which to be fair, we might not have seen um, had it been played in the uh, in the midweek slot with the rest of the um, the rest of the games in that round. Mm. And um, we'll, we'll be coming on to to the discussion topic about um, crowds uh, in a minute. Um, and but the next uh, discussion topic uh, is staying with Sheffield Wednesday briefly. Um, and I see that uh, that they've completed two new season long loan uh, signings um, in the form of Burnley goalkeeper Bailey Peacock Farrell and Middlesbrough attacking midfielder Lewis Wing. Uh, my question to you is: How useful to both uh, to both of these players could these loan spells actually be? Um, well, I mean, first of all, I think it was a, a, a brilliant, probably about half hour for Sheffield Wednesday on uh, on Tuesday. You know, it was the sort of um, they're the sort of signings that will really put a lot of optimism in the uh, in the in the Sheffield Wednesday supporters and. Um, Hopefully, well, hopefully, yeah, there'll, there'll be there'll be two really good good signings for the individuals concerned. I mean, it's interesting in both cases. Um, you feel both of those players could quite easily have got moves, loan moves, uh, to the championship, um, and it shows it shows the the pull of um, of Darren Moore and, and Sheffield Wednesday that he was able to get them both both to League One. I mean, they're two. They're two quality players. Um, Wing uh, was terrific, really, in in Rotherham's uh, running last season as they uh, tried and failed to to escape relegation. He looked a real quality player. Um, he was a bit frustrated himself that it, he didn't score the goals to pa- to back up his performances. But I think in every other respect, he was a really good uh, a really good signing for Rotherham. And I know Rotherham would have really liked to um, to get him back. Uh, and it's you know it's it's doubly frustrating for them that it's it's Crooks's sale that has made Wing available, and yet they've not been able to to capitalise. He's gone to their uh, he's gone to their neighbours instead. But mm. I think he I think he'll really add something to to Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, you know, much of this much of the same things that that we talked about Crooks um, apply to Wing in terms of the the sort of thrust. He can give them from midfield, uh, and I think that's going to be going to be really important to them. For, for Peacock Farrell, I mean, it's been a it's been a funny time of it lately, really, because um, with Nick Pope's injuries at um, at Burnley at the at the back end of last season, he actually saw a bit of Premier League football. I mean, it's only a couple of months ago I saw him playing in the Premier League against against Leeds, his, his old club. Mm-hmm. Um, so to go from that. To, to playing League One football in a in a short space of time is a bit of a come down. Um, Burnley have signed uh, 
Wayne Hennessy in the meantime, and that's why that's why he's been loaned out. He just needs he just needs regular football, which obviously he's not been not been getting since uh, well, since Kiko Kassir arrived at Leeds. Really, you know, he's an he's an international footballer, and he needs to be playing regularly. From from Wednesday's point of view, you know, they they they'd let Kieran Westwood go. We've seen plenty over the last couple of seasons of, of Joe Wildsmith and Cameron Dawson and both of both have had their moments of promise but they've also had their difficult moments too and obviously uh, obviously Darren Moore's looked at it and thought he needs somebody more secure um, Dawson's now going out on loan to Exeter City um, I guess Wildsmith will be the will be the backup option but um, yeah Peacock Files are really good a really good goalkeeper to have at, at League One level. I think it's a great signing for Sheffield Wednesday uh, if he can if he can play regular. Fo- well, I'm sure he will play regular football if he can show what he's capable of. It should be a good move for him as well. Mm. Because again, for for any player, especially at that age, it's it's vitally important to to get some form of regular action, uh, being able to. To clock up the minutes, um, so so that you can further your your career as as a footballer in any position, really. Yeah, and, and especially as a goalkeeper, obviously, because it's um, you know there's only one spot available. But yeah, um, you do you do feel with with both of them, they're 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 worthy of regular football, and to be brutally honest, worthy of regular football at a higher level. But as I say, it it does show. Um, the sort of reputation that Darren Moore has built, you know, mainly through his ter- time at Doncaster Rovers, as being a manager that that big clubs can can uh, can trust in to to uh, borrow his, borrow their players and, and really develop them. And uh, hopefully, these two will be will be two more successes. It'll be win win for everyone if uh, if that's the case. Hmm. And um, our, our next discussion topic. Um, looks at uh, as i mentioned earlier on um crowds um and i i read that there are plans from the government to uh, only allow fully vaccinated members of the public into events that have large crowds uh, including sporting events um and my question to you is how do you see that idea working and what kind of reception could it actually get from football fans um, well, I suppose the first thing to say is that we are talking in late July, and uh, we know with this government that what it thinks in one week is not necessarily the same as what it thinks in another. True. So True. we'll have to see how this we'll have to see how this pans out. Um, Parliament's in recess at the moment, so there, there can't be any laws passed till early September, by which time the football season's underway. Mm. So football's really got. A bit of a difficult decision to make at the moment in terms of does it get ahead of the game and try and bring in rules about this and it seems like there is a there is a real feeling in the Premier League in particular to do that or, or does it risk uh, bringing in up these you know restrictions and regulations that it, it turns out in the long run it doesn't have to and the reason that, the reason I say risk is because um, there's going to be a fair fair amount of cost and effort involved in this. From the football clubs, uh, if it's going to be done properly, you know it's all well and good saying that people need to be need to be fully vaccinated. Totally understand why the government's saying that, um, but if they if they do say that, then you know as with the nightclubs and everyone else, there's going to be a, a, a burden of cost and administration on the clubs to actually check these things properly and make sure that people are are fully vaccinated. 
Um, I mean, personally, I, I'm you know I'm all for the government encouraging people to to get double vaccinated. You know, I'm double vaccinated myself, and I think anyone who's got the opportunity to to safely do it, I you know I think it'd be better better for everyone if they do. But um, I do think people have got the right to choose, and if if people do have reservations, um, and of course there are, there are lots of people who for various medical reasons or religious reasons or what have you aren't able to to be fully vaccinated and we don't yet know what provisions are going to be made for them um i think people in people in those situations should have the right to choose and maybe you know the fallback that we had during the european championships where people who weren't fully vaccinated were able to get tested and if they produced a negative test within 48 hours of kickoff, they were able to attend as well. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a difficult one because I say, the, you know, the football clubs will have some people who've bought season tickets, I am guessing, who will fall into this category. Um, I think, you know, as I say, it won't be won't be till early September at the earliest until this law can be passed. Goodness knows how quickly it's actually going to come into in into force and and how how quickly clubs are going to have to sort of get set up properly and of course there's always the there's always the possibility we we hope not and the signs are good at the moment but there's always the possibility that um the government hasn't been able to reach its target by mid-september of uh fully vaccinating oh sorry offering second vaccinations to everyone who wants one um so it's it's a it's a difficult quandary for these clubs you know mm-hmm. we're already suffering a lot financially um you know like every other business nothing special about that because of because of the, the problems of covid this is this is going to add more more difficulty to them but it, there does seem to be a determination as i say at least in the premier league where there is at least a lot more resources to sort of get ahead of the game uh, and introduce this. I just, I just hope it doesn't deter too many, too many people from going to football grounds. And of course, it's worth saying that you know, if they weren't to do this and they were to uh, sort of let everyone in, then that might deter people as well. So it's, it's certainly not, it's certainly not a difficult, um, an easy, uh, an easy decision for people to make. Um, but um, hopefully. Hopefully they strike a, a fair balance, hmm. and we can see the the full and, and and noisy crowds that we've really been looking forward to. Hmm. Because I think what you said there makes a, a, a very valid point. Because it, the the last thing that either the government or the the football clubs involved want to do is to alienate any uh, any football fan. Because it, it, for those who 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 do have reservations about the vaccine or uh, don't really want to to get uh, double vaccinated for whatever reason, um, if if they have to implement uh, a regulation saying you have to be fully vaccinated to, to gain access, then there will be a fair uh, percentage of people who will be looking at this thinking, so we're being forgotten about. Yes, well, being excluded, I suppose, more than more than forgotten about. But I, I think it is, I think it is something fans will have to think seriously about mm. uh, in the next couple of weeks. As I say, my <clears throat> my own view um, is that I, I I just think it would be would be better for all of us, you know, across the world, if if we got as many people vaccinated as soon as possible. But I think I think anybody who's who's got any reservations should really try and look hard into the 
into the facts of it to to you know give themselves the best chance of making an informed decision about it. Um, but I do think that what whatever decision they make should should be respected. But that's 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 a big political decision that's that's got to be made. One thing I should have mentioned earlier, I said, you know, there's the there's the possibility the government could change its mind. There's, there's also the possibility government could try and put this into law in September and it get voted down because there are certainly reservations within the Conservative Party and beyond um, about this law. So it's again, it's possible that whatever the government's in, intentions, this might this might have become law uh by, by September, October, and then we might have the situation where football clubs are in the uncomfortable position of having to enforce a rule that the Premier League or Football League have introduced um, that actually they don't they don't have to legally. But um, I guess we'll uh, we'll have to uh, cross that bridge when we come to it. For for now, for fans, it's probably just best giving serious consideration to um, to whether they get that. Uh, second or first job I suppose yeah yeah no, I totally agree with you on that and um, our final discussion topic for this week looks at Leeds United uh, who have completed the signing of Lewis Bate uh, and on top of the other signings that they've completed so far this off season such as Junior Firpo and signing Jack Harrison on permanently um, do you think there are uh, more signings likely before the um, the start of the new season Yes, yes, I do. I, I do think there, there'll be some. I don't think there'll be masses. Um, <clears throat> I think if we look at um, if we look at Leeds last summer, I think it's going to be a, a similar sort of strategy. Um, they were very shrewd last summer, and that they just identified a couple of areas where they needed strengthening and added some real international quality. So they got a, a German and Spanish international centre backs. Um, a Spanish forward who's turned into a bit more of a number 10. Um, and uh, and they brought in uh, Rafinha, the Brazilian winger, four really top quality players. And then underneath that, um, a massive up- upgrade of their under-23 squad ahead of what was their their first season in Premier League 2. So I think it's, I think it's going to be similar this year, just picking specific areas. Left-back was one, which is why Furpo's come in, where the first team needs strengthening. And, and adding to the strength of the under twenty three squad alone, less dramatic this year because I say the big the big upgrade was last year. Bates Bates, sorry, is more for the under twenty three category, at least in the in the short term. You know, you can group him with the likes of Joe Gellhart and Sam Greenwood in terms of being a signing for the future. But in ter- in terms of the first team, Kiko Casillas has, has been loaned out. I think there'll be there'll be, a, there'll be another Another goalkeeper um, come in to to take that place, and probably probably one of similar profile to um, Ilan Melier in terms of being a young goalkeeper who can uh, who can be be developed. Um, it seems to be very close to, to signing a twenty year old goalkeeper from from Valerenga. Um, just, I think I think they're up, they're on the lookout for another central midfielder. Sam Gallagher has been mentioned, the um, Chelsea player who was loaned to West Bromwich Albion uh, last season, and um, possibly they might look for another wing- winger just to add to the the um, competition there. But I, I don't think I don't think there'll be much more than that. Um, Bielsa's has always been very very loyal to the players who's performed 
who have performed well for him and, and very um, relaxed about um, about uh, about not not um, upgrading the squad in the way that we were talking about with Harrogate earlier. There was no great panic to sort of bring in Premier League experienced players when the when when Leeds went up. Um, so yeah, I think changes changes will be minimal and very targeted, but I do think there'll be a couple, maybe three more to come. YorkshirePost.co.uk Many thanks to Stuart Rayner, who will doubtless join us again soon for more discussions on the Yorkshire football scene. But don't forget you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging on to our website at www.yorkshirepost.co.uk forward slash sport. Or if you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter and Facebook pages. Or email us directly with the subject matter as football talk podcast at yp.sport at jpimedia.co.uk. As ever, many thanks for listening. Look after yourselves and bye for now.